Hello and welcome back to the Three Pints Betting Podcast with myself, James from the Betting Desk, Tom Love from We Love Betting Gold and Jerry Taylor from Jerry Taylor's Tips. Hello chaps, Happy New Year, all good? Yeah, all good, all good here, yeah. Yeah, not bad, mate. Happy New Year. It feels like an age since the last time we got a pod out. So, yeah, buzzing to get back into a bit more of a routine. Hopefully, the games follow suit too. Yeah, it's been a bit tricky, isn't it? Uh, right. Decided not to do a podcast given the amount of games that have been called off uh, with COVID. I think the last one we did, um, even before the game started on Saturday, I think we'd lost three or four games between us. So, uh, took a bit of a break over Christmas. Uh, FA Cup last weekend, so we're back into the swing of it, and this will now be a regular uh, podcast. Um, so um, we've got games from Scotland, England, uh, and across Europe. So in usual fashion, Tom, do you want to start us off? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got all the leagues back now. Um, didn't seem like a particularly like long break for Germany, especially. They usually have. A bit of a longer break, um, but I'm going in uh, Ligue 1 in France and Syria for my two European bets. Uh, they're both on Sunday, these. One is at two o'clock, which I'll go with first. And that's Monaco at home against Clermont Foot. I'm going to take Monaco minus one on the Asian handicap. At five to six, 1.83 in decimals with marathon bet. Um, Monaco, it's been quite a tumultuous uh, couple of weeks for them. They're, they're weirdly party company with Niko Kovac, the manager, um, who I thought was doing a, a completely fine job. Um, I think he, he set standards very high in the second half of last season. I mean, Monaco were just winning for fun, you know, keeping clean sheets, winning to nail, scoring goals. Um, this season, they've been a bit more hit and miss. Uh, but they're still in the reckoning for kind of a top four spot, which I think is, is about par for them. Um, but obviously the uh, the hierarchy there are expecting something a little bit different. I don't know if they've had a falling out. Um, the players seem to get on okay with Kovac, but he's out now. Um, I do quite like the guy that they brought in, though, uh, Philippe Clemel. Uh, he was actually manager of Club Bruges. Um who we've seen in the Champions League this season, and they've looked really, really entertaining, really lively, and a really tough group as well with Leipzig, PSG, and Manchester City. Uh, we saw what his Bruce side did against PSG in the in the home leg. By far the better side in that. Uh, and at Monaco, they've got a lot more in terms of resources, um, stronger, stronger kind of strength in depth, I guess. And, um, yeah, I'm expecting him, if they keep him kind of long-term, uh, good at developing long, yeah, young players. I mean, you've seen uh, Charles de Ketelaer, um, especially he's managed to get into the Belgium squad. Noah Lang as well from Bruges and Hickey. <clears throat> They've got plenty of players who, who've kind of come through the system there and really improved and they've gone on for a decent amount of money. Um, one of the players who was at Bruges, I think, was Crepin Diata, who's now at Monaco. So he'll know him well, hopefully get more out of him, who's been quite disappointing this season. 
But yeah, I'm expecting Monaco to um, improve. I mean, they got a nil-nil away at Nantes last time out. Clement only had a couple of days in the job before that. He's had a full week now to kind of get his feet under the table, and it's quite a quite an easy looking fixture for them here against Clermont Foot, who came up from Ligue 2 this season. They were starting the season really well, actually, creating a fair bit, especially at home. Uh, they were putting in some decent performances, scoring plenty of goals, but I've done um, some kind of extensive research over the last kind of week or two to see who's going to be going to AFCON um, and what teams in Ligue 1 especially are going to be uh, really hit hard by this. And I think Clermont, um, given their relative lack of depth, uh, it's quite a small ground there. It's a relatively small club. Uh, more of a rugby place, to be fair, Clermont. But they're, they're doing stuff on quite a, quite a skinny budget. And crucially, their key man, uh, Mohamed Bayo, who was the top scorer in League 2 last season, started this season really well. Uh, he's contributed at least half of their goals this season, I think. He's aware. Um, Jim Alavina, who's one of the kind of chief creators for Clermont, he's away as well at AFCON, as is Samed and Kahali, who they got from Marseille. So they're really lacking in terms of depth. Uh, one of the defenders got sent off in the home game against Odense last week as well, which ended nil-nil. And it's kind of a story of their kind of second um, second half of the first half of the season, if you like, in in that they're just really struggling to score goals, especially when Bio isn't there. And um, if you look at their away record, <clears throat> I mean, it's really quite disappointing. Um, they've lost six, drawn two, and won two. Um, but yeah, they're up against a decent team in Monaco who I expect to improve. And um, they've got the fifth best home record this season, have Monaco. So I quite like Monaco win to nil. Um, but I'm just going to take the minus one Asian handicap because it, it means that we'll still get paid out if it's a 3-1-4-1 kind of situation. Uh, the only way you'll lose your money here is if Monaco don't win the game. We'll have half our... I mean, we'll have our full stakes returned if it ends in a one-goal uh, one victory for Monaco as well. So I think that's a nice little bit of value there against a Clermont side who are kind of um, really down to the bare bones. Um, so that's my first bet from France, and I'm going to go to Italy. This is the live game, um, the late game as well in Italy. The televised one, Atalanta against Inter Milan. Um, doesn't really need too much of an explanation this I'm going to take both teams to score and over 2.5 goals uh, the same price 1.83 with marathon bet I think that's a quite quite a generous price I expected that to be more of a 1.7 shot um, because ultimately you've probably got the two most attacking sides in the division meeting here um, anyone who's watched uh, Serie A in the last kind of five years will be well aware of Atalanta and Giampiero Gasparini and his kind of style of football. Very attack-minded. He gets the full-backs forward, um, tries to get plenty of shots off and create plenty of chances. They've got players who can move move defenders all over the place. And the player that's in form at the minute is Luis Muriel, 
who just scored in the Coppa Italia against Venezia midweek. Um, he also put in an absolutely fantastic performance away at Udinese in a 6-2 win uh, last time out as well. So they're, they're in fine form at Atalanta. And even their midfielders, like some Malinowski, Pessina, Pasalic, uh, all, all like to get in amongst the goals. And they, you can't forget that they've still got Duvan Zapata, um, and Josip Ilicic too. They've got strength in depth everywhere. Even Mela got on the score sheet, someone who really stood out in the Euros, if we can remember. Um, he, he's only going to get better too, but uh, their kind of expansive approach leaves them very vulnerable at the back. Um, they don't really change how they're playing in that regard. Both teams to score, therefore, has copped in 75% of their games. And Atalanta scored two or more goals in 65% of those. So we can expect them to get on the score sheet at least once, possibly twice here. Um, but they're not going to keep out this Inter side, um, who have probably been even better in terms of attacking output this season than uh, under Conte in the Scudetto winning season last year. They've scored two or more goals in 80% of their games, which is quite frightening. Um, I mean, we all know that they've got Martinez, who was on the score sheet midweek as well, against Juventus in the Supercoppa. And Edin Dzeko, got Sanchez, they've got even the players from midfield. I've been looking at some of the stats bad here. Uh, Hakan Celanoglu, uh, Brozovic, all getting really good kind of shot stats. Um, and Perisic, who's used to be kind of a a winger in a front three is playing as a wing back now. So you got him and Denzel Dumfries as well, who who was another player who was excellent at the Euros. Really, I mean, he scored a couple of goals, didn't he? So them two from wing backs too. So it's two sides that I think will play for the win, and I think that there's going to be space in behind both sets of uh, wing backs, and it should just be end to end entertainment and. Yeah, I'm expecting BTTS and Overs to be a, a cracking bet here. I'd have it at least a, a tick shorter than the 1.83 with marathon bet. So hopefully a fun game there. We all know what Serie has been like this season. Uh, the goals have been flowing. So when you got these two meeting, it, it would be rude not to get involved. So BTTS and over two and a half goals at 1.83 in Atalanta Inter. And my other bet is Monaco minus one on the Asian handicap against Club on Foot on Sunday at 2 p.m. Yeah, I really like the interbet, uh, Tom. Mm. I think we spoke to me a number of weeks ago about the number of goals in Italian football at the moment. I think it's yeah. we said then how I think people have a, a misconception that it's still sort of 90s Italian football where most games are nil-nil, defences on top. Uh, and they couldn't be any further wrong, could they? I mean, it's just open attacking football now. Yeah, and it's not... I kind of had a look into the data as well, because usually when you get in so, so many kind of high-scoring games, the data doesn't uh, tally up with it. And ultimately, it hasn't really last season or this season, but it, it's still managing to uh, come up with all these goals. And I think it's because it's a bit more helter-skelter um, you've got better attacking players on show as well, and the defenders are probably um, dwindling. So, yeah, it, you sometimes just got to kind of err a little bit away from the data and just, I mean, I've watched a lot of Syria in the last kind of two years or so, and 
Uh, it's no surprise that these games are seeing goals because um, quality attackers on show and kind of end-to-end football teams aren't kind of sitting back and um, trying to soak up pressure and get a draw. I think the only side that I'd, I'd kind of look at and not back goals in is Torino. Um, their manager, even Juric, um, was at Verona last season. He's um, pretty pretty um, defensive but he's the only one who really stands out in terms of that. I mean, especially look at the top top teams in Italy. Some real attack-minded coaches there with Inzaghi and Sarri um, and Gasparini and the likes. So, and even Jose Mourinho's Roma are scoring goals. So I think that kind of says it all. Although, although Roma can't defend, can they? Uh, which, nah. is, <laughs> which is very unlike uh, Jose. But yeah, Roma, yeah, it's just, yeah. Every game I watch... If there's a game on BT Sport, sit and watch it. It's always great. Yeah. Cards, controversy, goals, brilliant. Yeah, it was a cracking game that on Sunday night, wasn't it? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Jerry, what have you got for Scott in Scotland for us? Yeah, I've got three picks here, uh, gents. Um, we're kicking off in uh, League Two. It's Elgin City against Albion Rovers. Um, if people just looking at these two in the league table, it's eighth against ninth. But to be honest, we I think one team is is probably a, a wee bit better than the other here by a, a good margin. Although the league table doesn't say that. Elgin City are traditionally a, a, a strong home team in the Highlands. Might be something to do with teams having to travel four hours, four and a half hours. Some of them. Um, Albion Rovers aren't the best of travellers anyway. Traditionally, over the last few seasons, this season they're actually away from home. They've won one. Drawn to lost six. Um, they're the worst team for conceding goals away from home. They've conceded 19. The last two away matches, um, the wee Rovers, they've drew 0 0 with Cowdenbeath, who are kind of detached as the bottom team in the league. So, not a good result there. And they lost 6 1 at Kelty. That's the last two away matches. So, I'm kind of fearing the worst for them this Saturday going up to play Elgin, who, as I say, are pretty strong at home. Elgin have kind of added players as the seasons went on. Ross Draper and Tom Gravosti, they've got Premier League experience with um, Ross County. They're, they're two good defensive players, so they've added something to Elgin recently. Robin Omar's just come in in the last week. He's played in the Championship with Morton previously, and they've just brought in today Kevin Hanrity on loan, I think, from Aberdeen. So, good young player. He's not really had much first-team experience, but he'll be a good addition to the Elgin uh, squad. Mansion better off on 5-4 Elgin. To be honest with you, I think that's going to go in the next uh, um, 12, 24 hours. It's, Elgin started to be nibbled a bit. Um, in the last day or two I put them up in the channel a couple of days ago but I do think they'll go for even money or very slightly odds on um, Blair Malcolm's the only player that Albion Rovers have been able to bring in so far Brian Reid's been moaning about he's got a shortage of uh, options in defence and midfield so I think Albion Rovers are going to struggle for the rest of the season I think Elgin can still climb the table a couple of places um, before the, the season's out Um there's two kind of standout results recently for Elgin. They're, they're unbeaten in four, by the way, but the two standout results, the last home game, they beat the second-best team in the league, who are fourth at Athletic, and they also went to Kelty, um, away from home to Kelty. They were actually leading until the 93rd minute against the top runaway leaders, Kelty, and they drew one each eventually there, Elgin. So, really fancy them here um, quite strongly. Albion Rovers, as I say, are very poor, um, away from home, and I expect 
uh, Elgin to do the business if he can get some five to four. Any of the, the listeners that are tuning into the pod. Uh, my second selection, guys, I'm going to go to League One this time. It's a corners bet. I like a wee dabble in the corners, as you know. Um, this one's League One, Peterhead against Clyde. Peterhead averaged 6.10 corners per game. Clyde, 3.68. Clyde on their travels only get 2.70 corners away from home. So, again, this was on my channel early today. We got about a 10 to 11. It's still trading at 45 with Skybet. I would still um, say to punters, 45 is all right for that bet. I wouldn't go much shorter than that, but 45, 1.80 is acceptable for Peterhead to have the most corners against Clyde. Just to give you some numbers, give you some further numbers on Peterhead, the last, uh, the, their corner totals themselves in the last seven or eight games. They, they get beat 4-2 for Cove last week on corners, no disgrace in that. But prior to that, they get nine corners themselves against Montrose, 13 away for home against Dumbarton, nine against East Fife, seven against Clyde, five against Queen's Park, five against Cove and seven against Airdrie. So they're hitting some good corner totals and so many corner totals against uh, top half teams in League One. So Clyde are quite a defensive set-up team with Danny Lennon. David Goodwillie, the star striker, he's been missing the last few weeks. There's speculation that he's going to be moving on. Whether he'll play or not, I'm not so sure. But just with a set-up, Clyde, I fancy Peterhead to, to come out tops and corners there. And I think 45 is still a worth having a wee dabble on. My third selection and final selection in Scotland is um, the old favourite, Kelty. Half-time, full-time. It's come up for us once or twice this season. Uh, they're at home to Edinburgh City. Again, pretty defensive set-up team, Edinburgh City. Kelty, half-time, full-time, um, is 11-10 with Skybet or Bet365. 13 out of 18 games this season, Kelty have scored in the first half. 10 out of 18, they've been winning at half-time. Um, they've only conceded four goals at home all season and they've only conceded one goal in the second half. So if Kelly get their noses in front in the first half, I think this bet lands basically. I don't think Edinburgh City have got much firepower. They may go on the score sheet, but at the most they're going to get a goal. But I think Kelty will have too much and I'll put them away either by you know, two or three goals, um, hopefully. But Kelty half-time, full-time. Kelty are getting priced up at 2-5 and 4 11 guys to win games. But I think that's how we can get a wee bit of juice out of the Kelty games. You know, bets like this, half-time and full-time, which they're fast, they're fast out the traps, Kelty normally. Nathan Austin usually bags a first goal. Joe Cardo's been scoring plenty for them as well so that's my third selection it's Kelty to be winning at half time and full time against Edinburgh City and that's 11 to 10 you can get generally there Thanks mate all look pretty good um, I've got a Premier League bet um, Burnley versus Leicester I'm going to take over two and a half goals at 1.93 um, just start with Leicester both teams to score has landed in all nine away games, over two and a half goals in eight of the nine. Uh, Attacking-wise, uh, they're middle of the table, I think, you know, if you look at them. Defensively, awful. Um, XG against 1.62, that's the lowest, or sorry, the highest in the Premier League for away games. You can see the average 2.33 goals. Uh, shots on target, they're 18th. Shots in the box, they're 18th. Shots on target in the box, they're 19th. So all in all, it's it's pretty um, porous team. I can't quite work my finger out why it's so bad. Leicester, last few seasons have always been there or thereabouts in the sort of top sort of 
five, six. You know, last season, I think they should have probably climbed the Champions League. Um, but they've got some a real defensive crisis coming to the weekend. The only fit centre-half they've got at the moment is Vestigard, who has been massively underwhelming since he signed from Southampton in the summer. Um, there's no fourth fan. There's no Mendy, who's played there for a few games. And Didi is away at African Nations. Uh, Suchu is out. Evans is out. Um, so it looks like they might have to play a youngster at centre-back. Um, going forward, Vardy is injured. Ineacho is in the African Cup of Nations. So, uh, but they've got Lookman, Madison, Perez, Barnes, Tillemans. I think they've got enough quality to be able to get on the score sheet. Uh, um, but I can't see them keeping a clean sheet. Um, Burnley, I think we know what they're about. They're going to bombard the box, long balls, uh, and make it quite awkward for the centre-halves at Leicester. Uh, and if it is one of the youngsters coming in and playing alongside Vestergaard, uh, I think I think Dyche will be cute enough to, to, to make it pretty uncomfortable for him. Burnley uh, are in desperate need for some points. They've conceded in five of their seven home games. Um only two sides not to score there is Norwich, and you know as we know Norwich don't score anywhere, uh, and actually West Ham they failed to score in three of just three of their seven home games. Um, Norwich was nil nil, but they generated 0.77 xG. They didn't score at Arsenal, um, but generated 1.05 xG. Didn't score against West Ham, but generated 1.1 xG. So they are creating opportunities. Recently, there's been a 3-3 at home with Palace, a 3-1 with Brentford. Uh, I do think that they can score goals uh, defensively, bottom five metrics across the board, um, not great. Selling Chris Wood to Newcastle is something I can't quite get my head around if that deal goes through. Um, surely they want one of their best centre forwards to give them a chance of staying up. Barnes is injured, so that really leaves him with Vidra, Cornet and Jay Rodriguez. So I don't think it's great attacking-wise. But we know how they're going to play. Cornet's come in and looked quite good. He's looking like he's back to full fitness. Um, so I think you've got two sides that don't look clever at the back. Um, I can't see Burnley not scoring, regardless of their sort of Wood and, and Barnes being out or, and sold. Um, and with Leicester struggling defensively and with a centre-half crisis, uh, I think Dyche should be cute enough to be able to uh, make them work uh, and I think there should be some goals in this game. And at two point, at 1.93 over two and a half goals, given that Leicester have seen both teams have scored in all nine and over two and a half in eight of the nine, I don't think that's a bad price. Tom, you got some EFL bets for us? Yeah, um, <clears throat> they're both actually in League Two. Um, I tend to go into League Two more than the other leagues in, in the EFL. Um, so yeah, two from League Two. Um, Bristol Rovers Hartlepool. I'll start with that. I'm really surprised at this price. Over two and a half goals is trading at uh, six to five, 2.2 with Betfair. Um, I'm surprised that's not more like an odds on shot, to be honest. Um, because Bristol Rovers at home at the, at the Mem, um, have been seeing plenty of goals go in. Uh, they're one of these teams that. Go for it at home in front of their own fans and away. They just look to try ruin games for the opposition. Um, no surprise there with, with it being Joey Barton as the manager. But to be fair to him at home, um, they have looked quite lively. And they signed a, a lad from Scunthorpe who 
I had a little dabble on at the start of the season um, in the top goal scorer market. Just each way, a kind of triple figure price. Ryan Loft, who is right up there in terms of XG per 90 this season. Um, the problem for him is he was in a really poor Scunthorpe side who weren't creating anything. Now he's at um, Bristol Rovers. I think that he'll get plenty of uh, chances. He gets into really good areas, good in the air. Um, I think that he's going to be a player to watch the second half of the season in the anytime goal scorer market. I think he's trading around two to one, maybe a bit bigger. Um, there'll be a few more firms that will price it up um, if you want a little go on that. Uh, because I do think there will be goals here. Um, the last eight games for Bristol Rovers at the Memorial Stadium, I've seen over two and a half uh, cop. Uh, five of those have seen over three and a half cop as well. So it's kind of not not just doing it by a small margin. A lot of them are seeing kind of three ones, two twos. You know, they've been scoring plenty, but they've, they've really been quite poor at the back for a while with Bristol Rovers. Um, one of the reasons I really weren't having them as uh, one of the top three in the anti-post market this season. And they're up against the Hartlepool side, who were at the start of the season a very low-margin team under Dave Chaliner. Um, really kind of low XG, kind of creating around 0.9, uh, but conceding around 0.8. Um, he's now gone, well, he's been gone for a while now to Stockport. Um, and they've appointed Graham Lee, a former player, centre-half, um, who's kind of done a really good job, to be fair to him. Um, obviously, they beat Blackpool in the FA Cup, which is a fantastic achievement, a strong Blackpool side. And, yeah, they're, they're kind of ri- still riding the crest of a wave since promotion. Um, it's wasn't a really a surprise that a lot of their games were kind of low-margin affairs start at the start of the season under Chaliner because they didn't have time, really, to bring anyone in in recruitment terms. They didn't really have a pre-season because uh, the conference final, the National League final, I think it was in July. Um, so the turnaround was really quick. But now they're kind of looking a lot more um, adventurous, I guess, and... Over two and a half goals has landed in nine of their last 12. So to get 2.2 with Betfair, giving them stats, just uh, doesn't really sit right with me. Um, they've, they've actually brought a lad in from Southport, Marcus Carver, who was kind of bagging one every two games. Um, the fans are quite infused by that signing. And they've got some good young players there. So I watched Hartlepool um, at Valley Parade against Bradford. The best side I've seen in League Two this season, um, especially going forward, they looked really dangerous with Daly, who's on loan from Huddersfield. Um, lots of Joe Gray, Regan Ogle as well off the bench. Mark Cullen, who's been in the Munster goals as well. Um, good player for that level. And they've got some really decent attacking players. Uh, even Sterry from right back, probably one, probably the best right back in the league. So I'm expecting them to really take the game to Bristol Rovers here, not kind of just set up and try play for a draw. I think that they'll they'll kind of sense that they can get goals against the gas. So I'm expecting it to be quite a fun game. Um, over two and a half goals at 2.2 just looks way too big to me. I'd have that probably odds on maybe a 10 to 11 shot. Um, so some really strong stats to back that up. 
And my other bet is another price that I quite like, um, Tramia to beat Rochdale at 2.3 with Skybet, or 13 to 10 in old money. Um, Tramia, yeah, they've been not particularly entertaining, not really enthralling this season, but Mickey Mellon wasn't like that the last time he was there and he managed to get them up, I think, uh, Con- constantly kind of getting them into the top seven at least. And Tramia being much the same this season. Defensively excellent. I think they've got the most clean sheets in the EFL. Um, they're, they're certainly up there at least. And they're a side that if... The thing is with teams that keep so many clean sheets so consistently, I think that you're in. A, if you're kind of getting them around 2.3 at home, against opponents that you don't really think too much of, then you've got to be kind of looking at that as a really nice nice way in. And Tramia now, um, they're actually up to second. I've just had a look there. They've won 12 of 24 games, drawn six, lost six. Um, at home especially, they've been pretty strong. The best home record in the league, winning nine of 12. So, yeah, I'm not having them as 2.3 shots here. I reckon they'll go off around even money. Um, it, it might be another one which is kind of um, triggered by the XG and stuff like that because Rochdale are really high for kind of deep completions um, and kind of getting the ball into the final third, touches in the final third. But that's more so at home. Away from home, they're not as kind of potent, I guess. And crucially, they've lost, for me, the two best players, Morley, who's gone to Bolton, and Jake Beasley, who's gone to Blackpool, who's was right up there in terms of XG. <laughs> and just a tip to anyone who kind of looks at the anti-post markets, don't back a player in December to get top scorer when he's been in fine form in League 2 because he might just leave and go to another division and ruin your 51 uh, top scorer bet. <laughs> but yeah, without him, um, I don't really know where the goals are coming from, to be honest. They've not really replaced him yet. They're after a lad from Darlington, I believe. Um, same same guy that Bradford are in for. Um, that's not done yet. So I think it's a really good time to get against Rochdale, a Rochdale side that do concede goals, especially on the road. And a Tramley side that just keep clean sheets for fun. They've conceded six goals at home in the 12 games, which is quite remarkable. Um, so, yeah, Mickey Tramia... Mill. Go ahead, mate. Mickey Mill and Tom. Mickey Mill right. and this was the same last season with Dundee United, Tom. He was yeah. defensively very savvy. You know, they never conceded a lot. Don't get me wrong, they, they never scored loads Dundee United, but teams found it hard to break them down. There's plenty of 0-0s and 1-1s in amongst it, you know. Yeah. Which, you know, it wasn't bad in the top division, you know. Yeah, that's fair, fair play. I mean, I, I know Dundee United last season were uh, unders kind of haven. and Yeah, definitely. Fair play to Mellon because, I mean, you, you can't play such defensive football um, if you don't get the results to go with it or you'll be out of job. Yeah. But he's, he's proven that he can just grind games out and he's one of them players who's kind of in it for the long haul. He never gets too up when his team wins, That's but true. he doesn't get down when when they get yeah. defeats. So, yeah, they've got some real experienced players there. They've got Paul Glassell as well, on loan from Liverpool, who scored last week. Um, signed a couple more players in the transfer window. 
can't quite remember who they were, but they're kind of adding more strength and depth to that squad. Um, even Jay Spearing is, isn't quite getting into the team now and again. So, yeah, I, I expect Tramia to get promoted this season now because I think they're only going to improve going forward. And Mellon knows what he's on about defensively. And Brochdale, without the two best attacking players, uh, well, the best midfielder, the best striker, both gone. Um, time to get against them. I think Tramia, 13-10, to 10, is a knocking bet. That'll go off much shorter. Uh, Jerry, you got any before we go long shots? You got any EFL bits? Yeah, I'm all over Ipswich this week. Um, been watching with interest. Watched the highlights of their four 0 uh, romp away from home against the Jills, Gillingham last weekend. Just just doing a bit of the numbers. James Norwood's coming to the boil nicely, bagging, uh, getting the, amongst the goals again. Wes Burns, Macaulay Bone. And uh, Connor Chaplin. I like teams that have got four, you know, at least four guys that are going to contribute to the goals. And I just think since Kieran McKenna come in, that's two wins out of two, isn't it? Um, just feel as if Ipswich are on the right path now after uh, Paul Cook departed. They're up against a beleaguered Bolton. Bolton's last 13 games don't read well. One, two, drawn two, lost nine. What's significant amongst those that sequence, guys, the, the two wins and the two draws have came against Cheltenham, who were 13th, and then the bottom three teams in the league, Gillingham 22nd, Crewe 23rd, Doncaster 24th. So there's a touch of the flat-track bullies, I think, against Bolton when they do win or they do get a draw, which is quite seldom lately. Um, they're only two out of 18 for keeping their, their sheets clean recently. Um, just think they're in a, ba- a bad way under Ian Everett. Just think Ipswich are on the up and I've got a really cracking chance now going on a run, especially with the attacking goal threat. They've got fourth top scorers, I think, in the division Ipswich, so that all goes well for them reaching the playoff in my eyes. Um, I put this one on the channel, I think, yesterday. 74 it is for Ipswich to go over 1.5 goals in this game. Really fancy this quite strongly. It's shortened up since Bolton got beat last night from Wickham 2-0 at home. Ipswich have shortened up. I was really surprised. I had them in, in my head as they should be going off favourites. That the market rectified itself now, and you know, especially with Bolton coming unstuck last night again. The bet is 75, 2.40. The guys on my channel helped themselves to about 74. But I'd, I'd still encourage people to get involved at 75 with Betfair. Um, but not not if it shortens much more than that. But Ipswich, I think, can at least get two goals here away from home. Bolton four losses in a row and as I say the only teams they've been getting results again are really struggling outfits that they've been playing against so fancy this one quite strongly guys in uh, League One in England it switched to get at least two goals over 1.5 goals 75 2.40 with Betfair You know I think Ipswich has always always looked like scoring goals it's the other end they've always struggled especially under Cook Yeah But as you say you know, Norwood didn't get a look in Norwood was banished to the under 23s under Cook um, for whatever reason those two fell out I think it was to do with Norwood's uh, off the field antics um, but you know McGreal brought him back in when he was interim manager he's got four and four we're playing two up front which gives a bit more threat uh, and we've still got players to come back um, from, from injury so um, yeah I'm trying not to get carried away but it does look quite positive two games in look good um, which is the first time I've been able to say that most of the season I think 
Yeah, just I was looking at Ipswich to win the game, but I just thought it was maybe safer. Just with the, the, the issues that Ipswich did have early in the season with conceding a few, just think it's a safer way to go. The better angle to win is probably just to go for the goals rather than the win. You know, maybe safer just you know giving the uh, Boltons you know they're leaking goals right, left, and centre. You know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I've got one of uh, mine and Tom's favourite League One teams to talk about now. It's the Battle of the Robinsons. Um, we've got Mark Robinson, manager of Wimbledon, and then Stephen Robinson, manager of Morecambe. Uh, I'm going to take over two and a half goals at 1.88. A little bit surprised by those odds. Um, Morecambe away games average 3.82 goals per game. Wimbledon home games 3.33 match goals. Uh, so straight away uh, looks quite positive. Morecambe, uh, 82% have seen over two and a half goals. 64% over three and a half goals and 73% have seen both teams to score. Uh, they are conceding an average 2.45 goals per away game. Only failed to score uh, in three of their away games. Uh, Sunderland and Pompey, who you'd probably expect them to, uh, two decent sides, and Doncaster back in September. And they did generate a 1.02 xG that game. Uh, defensively, awful as you expect. 22nd for shots, 22nd for shots on target. I won't go through them all. Basically, bottom three for all the defensive metrics. Uh, Attacking-wise, quite odd. Um, just 0.81 xG, which is the 20th. It's 20th in the division. And I think it's probably why these odds are as they are. Yet they've scored an average of 1.36 goals per game, which is the ninth best in the division. Now, at some point, you'd have to say that maybe... There's a correction and that variance stops, but we're halfway through the season and they keep scoring goals. Uh, Stockton is, is their main throughout front. He's got 12 in 22. Uh, I think they probably need the performance. I think they did well at Spurs for periods of the game, um, but now it's sort of back to business. And I think their start of the season not to get relegated would have been a success for Morecambe. I think that's where they'll, they'll focus now clearly on. Wimbledon, um, yeah, I say 78% home games have seen both teams to score. They've only failed to score in two of their nine home games, Wigan and Plymouth, when Plymouth were going well and sat top of the table. They have conceded in every home game. Um, so fifth, uh, the highest home XG, but 23rd for the lowest, also the highest XG conceded. So scoring plenty uh, or giving plenty of opportunities to themselves, but also allowing the opposition to have plenty of opportunities as well. Uh, concede a 1.67 goals per game, um, but it's been sort of 49 days since their last home game. Read some of the comments. Um, it was the Wimbledon MK Dons uh, derby, if you can call it that, at midweek. Uh, and manager Mark Robinson said these players had given everything. Um, they had 10 men for large spells of the game, so you do wonder what they've got left. Are they going to get tired? Will Morecambe then be able to capitalise? But just Basic stats of both these teams love goals, scoring and conceding. Uh, we can then get 1.88 on over two and a half goals. Um, when 64% of Morecambe's away games are seen over three and a half, I don't think that's a bad bet at all. Uh, I know Tom's always got a bit of an eye for Morecambe when goals come to uh, goals on the cards. So that's one of my bets. That's Morecambe, Wimbledon, uh, over two and a half at 1.88. Uh, the other bet is also in League One, and that's Wickham versus Oxford. And I'm going to take over two and a half goals and both teams to score at 2.25. Um, 
just take Wickham to begin with. They've only failed to score in one of their home games, and that was against Portsmouth. In that game, they actually generated 3.2 xG, so quite unfortunate not to score. Three clean sheets all season. Um, Jules, 22nd, Bolton, 18th, and Lincoln, 16th. And Lincoln have won their last two games, so that's pushed the table a little bit higher. Um, so three sides that you'd probably expect Wickham to uh, keep clean sheets against. Oxford, I think, are much better than those three sides. Uh, averaging 1.83 goals scored per home game, conceding 1.42, and 67% have seen over two and a half goals. Uh, interestingly, um, Wickham have scored 1.5 goals or more in 66.7% of their game uh, home games, and also they've generated an XG of over one and a half goals per game in 66.7% of the game. So, again, good sign they should be able to get on the score sheet. Uh, Attacking-wise, 1.91 XG is the second best in the division for home uh, results, but they do languish uh, slightly when goal and XG against 15th. 19th for shots in the box on target conceded and 23rd for shots on target conceded. Uh, they'll probably line up 3-4-1-2. Vokes, uh, experienced striker. I think he'll cause problems for most teams in this division. Um, you know, McCleary sat just behind. And I like Ainsworth. I think he's a good manager. And I think, you know, as we're seeing, Wickham will be there and thereabouts. Uh, Carl Robinson, Oxford, they're a good side. Um, only failed to score in three of the 11 games. Uh, Cheltenham, Lincoln, Ipswich. So I'm not too sure what to read in that. But the one clean sheet was against Ipswich, is a pretty dour game where they did generate 0.99 xg. So maybe a tad unlucky. Um, over two and a half, over two and a half goals has landed in six and eleven, and both teams have scored in eight of the eleven. Uh, defensively, pretty good. Uh, attacking wise, um, they should be able to get on the score sheet here. 1.39 xg, third for shots, four for shots in the box on target. Uh, and fourth with shots in the box generally. So I can't see Wickham not being able to score against a side that generally does concede, uh, you know, in Oxford, they say only one clean sheet. Um, and then I think Oxford also will have the ability to get on the score sheet themselves, given the fact that Wickham have struggled defensively. So to get over two and a half goals and both teams to score at 2.25, I think that's a little bit of value. Right. Anyone got any more bets before we go on to the long shots? Not here. Can I just mention a, a, a team to win the league? I'm, I'm doing a bit of a U-turn here and what I've been preaching on a few uh, podcasts earlier. Uh, Kilmarnock to win the Scottish Championship. Um, mm. Advised at 8-5. to five. It's still available at 64 with Betway, but I think that's going to go pretty soon. They've got yeah. Derek McInnes. Great, great coup, uh, Tom. James, yeah. um, as, as manager, Rangers were after after him just prior to getting Steven Gerrard. So I think for Kelly to have a manager of that calibre in the Championship, they're only going to kick on one direction now. He's going to bring in two or three players in the next couple of weeks as well. So I'm expecting that, you know, at least a, a striker and a good midfielder to come in. He's got some good contacts out there. So I think that price is going to disintegrate even further in the next few days. So, um Sixty-four kill to win the championship. I think I know it's a short price to flag up for a team to win the league, but I think maybe two or three months down the line that'll look good value. Tom, what's your long shot, mate? Yeah, well, I was having a look at this game and I, I was kind of torn between two different angles. In so what I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna give you them both um, and maybe kind of split a unit between them both. Um, and it's the Peterborough versus Coventry game. Uh, which is the standout for me. Um, 
Peter haven't really played that much. Well, in December, um, they did get a, a game in the FA Cup, two-one win, confidence-boosting two-one win against Bristol Rovers, the aforementioned Bristol Rovers, um, which was uh, BTTS and over two and a half and. Yeah, it kind of follows a trend for Peterborough. Um, it's kind of, well, it's a trend that's lasted pretty much the entire um, the entire kind of length of uh, da- uh, Darren Ferguson's tenure there. And it's Peterborough to win and both teams to score, which is 6-1 to one with Betfred, uh, which I think is a, a big old price, to be honest. Uh, Peterborough, they're a side that I'd always want to get against away from home, especially in the championship. Their away form is, is shocking. Um, I don't think they've won yet. I think they've, I think they've got the worst away record in the EFL. Um, I actually fancy Peterborough to stay up because I think they're going to do some good stuff in the transfer window. They usually do. Um, they're not a team that particularly likes playing and kind of the. The poor pitches in winter. I expect them to t- to kind of motor on in the kind of final third of the season. Um, but this is a game against Coventry where I think that they can um, really kind of put down a marker and get a win. I think if they are to stay up, they need to target games like these um, to to kind of get the points on the board. Draws are no real good. Uh, they don't draw that many games. To be fair to them. Um, they're just they're pretty gung ho in, in that approach, and yeah, they've won five games in all competitions at home this season. And four of those have seen BTTS land as well, and they've kept just three clean sheets all season. So um, yeah, I really want to get with goals here, but I, I'm gonna just chuck Peterborough to win in to get that six to one. Um, Coventry started really well this season um they've tailed off a little bit since no winning six now um but i i just think that's natural regression to the mean really i think um their squad in, in the championship is not really um probably not a top half side when you when you look player for player but um you've got to give huge credit to mark robbins one of my favorite managers in the afl for, for the job he's done there. Um, it's still been an unbelievable season for them. But uh, I just think they they can be caught out here. And Posh, I think they'll benefit from that break that they've had. I think in January as well, a lot of Posh players um, are really kind of in the transfer window. They, they want to make a name for themselves. They want to get a big money move. The likes of Clark Harris has been linked with Sunderland, I've seen which it would be a, a weird move considering they'd want probably about six, seven, eight million for him, knowing uh, their, their owner, McAntony. Uh, Siriki Dembele as well. Doesn't look like he's going to sign a new contract, so he could be off, but they're, they're going to still be putting on a show because they want to get the best move possible. So, yeah, I like um, Posh to win and BTTS, but... I'm also going to just split that with Peterborough to win from behind, which is a 17-1 to shot with Bet Victor. Um, just something I've been looking at um, in Peterborough games, especially at home. They're three of the four wins at home in the league. This has landed. So there was a live game on Sky earlier in the season against Derby where they scored two injury time goals which was uh, pandemonium, and um, they've done so recently as well against Millwall. 
uh, after Bradshaw got the opener, they came back and won that. So it shows that they do have some heart and some spirit about them to get back into games. And that's 17 to 1. You just can't really ignore it considering it's landed in three of the four home wins this season. So I'll just go half a point on each of them. Peterborough to win and both teams to score 6 to 1 with Betfred and Peterborough to win from behind at 17 to 1 with Bet Victor. Like that. I like Posh. I think they always got this knack of just signing really good up and coming strikers and then selling them yeah. for a huge profit. And they do it time and time and time again. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know who, who's doing their scouting, but um, uh, it's phenomenal, really, that, that, what, what they turn over. Yeah. They always pluck a few good ones from non league, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jerry, what you got? What, what's your long shot? Uh, long shot, James, is um, it's a corners bet. It's Celtic against Hibs, which is taking place on Monday evening. It's the first uh, Premiership game back since the um, brought forward winter break. Um, Celtic are averaging, sorry, I Celtic are averaging 10.22 corners and Hibs are away from home averaging 4.90 corners. I'm going to flag up over 14 corners here, which is priced at 5.50, 92 we bet 3.65. Celtic's last five league games, as you know, we've, we've mentioned Celtic games before for corners. Uh, Celtic's last five league games have had 17, 19, 12, 12 and 19 corners. So this bet's got a chance. Sean Maloney's come in since we last spoke, guys, on the podcast. He's come in as the new Hibs manager, Jack Ross, has exited stage left. Um, it's quite a nice appointment from him so he was assistant to Roberto Martinez with Belgium Sean Maloney quite an understated guy quite an intelligent guy he was a good player with, with Celtic and other teams um, I think the the, the, this, the early signs are promising he's won his first two games perhaps they've played some nice stuff I expect him to contribute in this game against Celtic I think it could be a good watch I think there'll be goals both teams could score here and I expect the, the corners has got a chance because I think Hibs will chip in as well so Celtic only play one way Ange Postacoglu's brought in another three Japanese players from the Japanese league um, by all accounts some a, a couple of good players there so I'm expecting Celtic to play the only way they know uh, it's going to be a packed uh, ground at Parkhead, Celtic Park on Monday night um, with the fans all back in, games to, uh, going to capacity again. So I see that being a lively encounter. I think it'll be a great game to watch and hopefully the corners, hopefully there'll be a few goals, but hopefully the corners can do the biz there at 9-2 over 14 corners with bet 3-6-5. Another one I'd like to mention is Fabinho to score any time for Liverpool. Um, I advised that last week. Um, not as an official bet, just it was ten to one basically to to score any time this weekend against Brentford. I think the game's on Sunday. Um, it's now into thirteen to two. You can get that with Betfair or Paddy Power. Um, he was on the penalties just as I was backing him to score a brace this Sunday coming against Brentford. They actually got the brace. He got the second goal in the FA Cup tie against Shrewsbury. So. Um, what do we go at 60-61 for a meter two goals the only thing that can scupper us maybe is if uh, James Milner fights his way back into the team and gets the ball for a penalty kick but Fabinho hopefully retains a penalty kick duties with Mo Salah being away in uh, the exciting African Nations tournament <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> uh, nice film nice film for me though 
Sorry? It's a nice, it's a, a nice angle on the Fabinho. To, uh, I didn't realise he was on pins. Uh, I, ah, he's on the pins, so hopefully he retains him if, if, if James Milner doesn't come into the team and pull rank, you know, but um, hopefully Fabinho, we scoring last week, keeps retains him. Yeah, nice. Um, my long shot is in the West Ham-Leeds match. Um, it's a bet builder. Uh, I'm going to take West Ham to score two or more goals, both teams to score, and then Leeds to pick up three or more cards and West Ham to be booked. And that's quite a lot. Uh, but this let me walk you through it and hopefully you'll see uh, my, my idea. Um, Mike Dean is the ref. Um, so <laughs> we can almost stop there on the cards. Um, he's booked both teams in 85% of his games this season. Uh, and then Leeds have picked up a card in every single away game. They've picked up two or more cards in 89% of their away games. And they've picked up three or more cards in 66 of their away games. So 60% of their away games. Um, all of their opponents, Leeds, all their hosts have been booked as well. Uh, West Ham being booked in 78% of their home matches. Um, and their opponents have, have, have picked up at least one card in seven of nine. This is before tonight's game. Uh, and two or more in four of the nine. Um, so I think there's opportunities there with the players that that, that will be Rafinha will be on the pitch for Leeds, which you know pace attacking uh, probably Dan James the other side. House and there's a few players that got a bit of pace in the lead side. I think that West Ham pick up booking. I think you can isolate Craig Dawson at the back. I think he's in he's in problems. Um, but Leeds just tend to just get frustrated. Uh, and then start kicking lumps out of teams. Um, and then with, Le- with West Ham to score at least two goals, they've generated 2.24 XG tonight. Um, they've scored in every single home game, um, top seven for all of their attacking metrics, average two goals per game, 1.57 XG. Uh, they've only kept two clean sheets as well, um, Spurs and tonight uh, against Norwich. Uh, conceded two or more in six of the nine, um, but have now scored one and a half goals in six of their 10 home matches. And this season they've scored in 18 of 21 matches. Uh, Leeds need a performance. Um, I can't work Leeds out. Everyone raves about Bielsa, how good they are. I know they've had their injuries and I know that's not helping, but they can see 2.33 goals on the road per game. Uh, they're 19 for shots, 19 for shots on target, 16 for shots on target in the box. They've conceded in eight of their nine away games. They've conceded in 16 of 19 games this season. Um, but the only three times they've failed to score are, are, has been uh, City, uh, Brighton uh, and Southampton. So the City game, no surprise, really. They get beat 7-0 that game. Um, but they do have a threat. I think Bamford's back this week as well, which would help. Um so when I sort of look at all, you know, the stats, you know, you think West Ham should be good enough to score at least twice. Leeds, uh, love a card. Uh, I don't think that's that particular out, outlandish bet. And it was almost seven to one with Bet365 when I pressed this up this afternoon. Uh, might have shortened slightly now the fact that West Ham have scored two again at, uh, at home to Norwich this evening. But yeah, that's West Ham to score two or more goals. Both teams to score. Leeds, three or more cards. West Ham, one or more cards. And that's about seven to one with Bet365. Chaps, anything else? No, that's it, I think. Perfect. Well, 
Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we'll say we'll be back hopefully on a regular basis now, COVID permitting. Podcast um, yep. to as many ears as possible. Speak to you all soon. Good evening. <laughs>